Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Kat, pastor's kid from Huntington Beach, California, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dalmar. Ugh, I'll pray for you. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right. Welcome to episode 307 of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, Jesse Dalamore, on this Memorial Day in the United States. Sitting across from me is my lovely co-host, scholarly co-host, beautiful co-host, Brittany Page. So I want to thank you because you're you wanna, the... You want to thank me? Yeah. Wow, you're welcome. You're the reason that I'm getting attacked right now. What? On my Facebook post about Master of None. I'm the reason... Yeah. ...that you're being attacked on Facebook... Because of the, the 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 Netflix show Master of None with Aziz Ansari. Okay, well, I'm not being attacked, but I'm being harassed. I guess I would say. Because, How is that my fault? Well, because first of the, all, what's happening? The comments are meant for you. They're from people who live in the Philippines. Well, hang on. And they're pretty unhappy with the things that you had to say. Well, I know. I'm assuming in your latest video. Yeah, I didn't know about that. But about, let me about their president Duterte. <laughs> Let's let me just go. Well, that's a deep post. How, how long ago? Holy shit. That's days ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This idiot reporter called our beloved president a murderer. Who are you, white monkey? <laughs> Is that racist? That's... I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you, white monkey? You have no right to say these words toward our president. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. You are not here in the Philippines. Majority of the Filipino loves him. So fuck off, you moron. Exclamation point, exclamation point. Well, you know, I'm not done, Brittany. Okay. We don't need your opinion. Mind your own country, idiot. Very nice. Mm hmm. And then Brittany Page replied (laughs) in a not sarcastic manner at all. So you don't like Master of None? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what the post is about. So I'm a little confused. But there's another comment. We don't need to read it. But um, (laughs) and then someone's currently typing something. I have a feeling it's 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 them. But you made a, a video. Right. About Duterte. Right. Donald Trump. Their president and and Donald Trump making that phone call and saying that he's doing a good job. Well, the video wasn't about that. Thanks for being a fan of the YouTube channel, though. The the video was about uh, the in the phone call that they had where Donald Trump revealed what kind of arsenal relative to our submarine fleet we had in the North Korea area. And during that phone call, did he say that he was doing a good job? Yeah, but I... I didn't oh. talk about that. Oh, he said that. That's not what the video was oh. about, Brittany Page. Okay, but that happened. So so despite the fact that... Uh, that was a wonderful Donald Trump version. That was You're taking a page right yeah. out of the Trump playbook yeah, right there. Yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so despite the fact that uh, Duterte is being condemned by the State Department 
for the things that he's doing in his country to his people. Yeah. Donald Trump called him and, and said, hey, good job. Good job with your war on drugs. Yeah. Where you've killed 7,000 people in an extrajudicial manner outside of the law. You, you're murdering people. Whether they're criminals or not, I didn't make a claim. But you're killing them without the benefit of the court system, the rule of law. Yeah, well, and just a couple of days ago, it was reported that he joked about his people um, committing human rights violations during the martial law. And he joked, if you rape three people, I will admit that I did it. Uh, like if his soldiers, th- through trying to complete their duties, happen to rape people. If they happen to yeah, rape people. Then he'll admit that, that he did it because he, he's ultimately responsible for what also, they do. Also, he'll get away with it. Yeah, who knows? But anyway, it's the same not kind funny. of I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and not lose any supporters. Yeah, that's the the Donald Trump Duterte. That's the style. That's yeah. the kind of leader we have here. In the this is a very unusual intro. Yeah, segment. Well, then you also <laughs> you you have in that comment him saying that most of the the majority of the people in the Philippines don't have a problem. Um, that seems suspect. And then number two. Well, you know how you always have to go and see what the majority thinks yes. before you figure out how you feel. You're shielded That's by the consensus. That's the most important. Yes. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. So apparently I am the... Somebody wrote an article is what happened about me uh-huh. being a report, a Western reporter. Uh-oh. Please. Can't be saying that. Well, I don't, I don't consider myself a journalist. I guess maybe it's by some blurred line of new media standard, I could be considered a journalist or a reporter. I'm a commentator. Come on. Maybe I'm a commentator. Th- that might even be ge- very uh, generous. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just a dude. Mm-hmm. Just a dude, Brittany Page. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing? Uh, <laughs> nope. All right. Well, let's... I don't think we have any emails or voicemails... Everybody's preparing for the holiday weekend. Yep, By that's way, what it is. <laughs> let, let me also say this. Let me say this about Memorial Day. For those outside of the country, and you know, actually more for those inside the country who don't know, Memorial Day isn't Veterans Day. So you can save your God bless the troops and thank the troops and thank you for your service and all of that. Memorial Day is about remembering the men and women who have given their lives in service to their country, not just a blanket servant serving their country. Mm-hmm. I am not honored by Memorial Day because I am alive. Yes. And I didn't give my life in military service, mm-hmm. the ultimate sacrifice. So that's just a little pet peeve. I like to talk about every Memorial Day. <laughs> Here we are. I haven't seen it uh, today. So I think maybe social media has helped people understand what it is hopefully so because it, it has been a problem um in the past but i haven't i haven't seen it today so in lieu of voicemails and emails let's talk about a couple things in the follow-up area so i want to talk about what happened in portland yeah and yeah, for sure the reason i want to talk about this is because we've been seeing a lot of those videos of people having racist rants just going off on people in Walmart or in the airport or wherever there are people. Yeah. And I have been having conversations with people I know, and I also talked about it on the Patreon call this weekend with the Patreon supporters, the Google Hangout. And I feel like everyone should develop some sort of action plan. I think it's a great idea. For how they would go about um, handling a situation if they were to witness someone That's right. being abused in a public space. And the reason I, I, I thought that people should be developing a plan before this happened in Portland because... You've been talking about it for yourself personally for a while. What Really trying to come to grips with what you plan to do Yes. on multiple fronts. Yes, with the understanding that it'll likely be recorded. Yeah. So you don't want to look like, you know, <laughs> you got to kind of keep it together. Right? Trump, baby. Yeah. You don't want to be that some bitches on here? But you have to intervene. Come on. You have to. Yes. So I don't I want to hear from people if they've experienced this, how they have intervened, what they feel would be most appropriate. 
um, I want to hear from the audience about this. Before we jump into this, though, l- let me play a little clip about what took place in Portland, Oregon. Well, so before we get there, I want to talk about how now there's an added element because this happened in Portland where people who intervened were killed because they intervened. More tonight about that brutal stabbing attack on an Oregon train. Police say a known extremist with white supremacist beliefs terrorized a young Muslim woman and her friend on a train, slashing three men who came to their aid. And tonight we're hearing the emotional words of one of the women they tried to help. ABC's Marcy Gonzalez with the latest on that investigation. Tonight, one of the teenagers harassed by an alleged white supremacist on a Portland train says she is haunted by what happened to the Good Samaritans who came to her defense. They lost their lives because of me and my friend and the way we looked. Destiny Mangum explains she and that friend who was wearing a hijab were on the train Friday when a man police have now identified as Jeremy Christian targeted them in an anti-Muslim tirade. He told us to go back to Saudi Arabia. He told us that we shouldn't be here and to get out of his country. This white male from the back of us came and he was like, you can't disrespect these young ladies. Then they just all started arguing. Within moments, witnesses say Christian, who was known to police for his criminal history and extremist views, pulled out a knife. He just started stabbing people and it was just blood everywhere and we just started running for our lives. Two of those men were killed, 23-year-old Talisha Namkai Meche and 53-year-old Army veteran Ricky Best. These two men died heroes. A third victim, Micah Fletcher, is still in the hospital tonight in serious condition. I just want to say thank you to them and their family and that I appreciate them because without them, we probably would be dead right now. Christian faces several charges, including murder, and is due in court Tuesday. Investigators are still determining whether federal hate crime and domestic terrorism charges could also be filed. Tom? Marcy, thank you. So, a very disturbing situation, yeah, obviously. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, and this is kind of, this is what I'm talking about. So, the woman, uh, there was a video going around of a woman in Walmart who was berating another woman, and someone tried to intervene. And Using then, racial slurs. And then they got attacked as well with racial slurs. And I just, I, I am someone who in the past has definitely gotten involved in in situations never situations to these levels i would say in terms of uh what do you mean to these levels the racial slurs and the i mean it's a very tense situation i mean you're watching this and or for me anyway i watch these videos and i get very angry yeah and so there needs to be this this lack of anger if you do intervene. Like a very metered uh, response. Yeah, because it will escalate the situation, right? But you want to put an end to it. You want it to stop. And you need to kind of address it because these people need to understand that this is not going to be tolerated and that people will protect other people from having this happen. Yeah. And so then you have what happened in Portland. It's a whole new layer, a, a new wrinkle in what you have to worry about. Because these people tried to intervene... And then they had their throats cut. Yeah. And so I'm sure that this terrifies a lot of people. And we don't want it to, this kind of an incident, to damper the the goodwill that people show to try to intervene in these matters. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't want people to think, oh shit, I can't intervene and try to put a stop to this because I, might I can't defend myself. Yeah. Right? I'm so, putting my life on so the line. So these people are going to continue to be harassed and possibly harmed... Because others are fearful for their own safety. Yeah, and I hope that that is is not something that happens here. Yeah, no, I mean, it is something that we have to worry about because, look, obviously, our natural biological function is that of of uh, self preservation. But we really have to know that the odds of it turning into a knife attack are astronomically rare right and really the right thing to do is to stand up for those who are being persecuted oppressed harassed harangued in public right so 
this guy who did this is a known white supremacist. Yeah. And there's footage of him at some sort of rally wearing an American flag around him, Mm -hmm. like a cape. Yeah. And he has a history of just posting crazy things on Facebook and about things that should be punishable by death, um, like ignorance, because he's so intelligent. Yeah, super smart guy. And he loved Donald Trump. He said, if Donald Trump is the next Hitler, then I'm joining his SS. He's... Goddamn. He is 35 years right. old. Not a kid. And so Richard Spencer tweeted the uh, tweeted about this because he's the most notable white supremacist. Yeah. Right? He's the most recognizable white supremacist right now. And so he tweeted in an attempt to distance himself from the situation and basically said that he does not condone what happened in Portland. But isn't it a little too late for that? Yeah. Because of the ideas and the fer- fervor that he's fomented within his community, this is the result. This is the natural result. Yeah. When you talk about ethnic cleansing, whether it be peaceful or not, this is what you get, mm-hmm. Richard Spencer. So he tweeted, the Portland stabbing was a saddening event, and I condemn the actions of Jeremy Joseph Christian. This also reminds the alt-right of the importance of vetting participants at events, particularly RE, mental illness and criminal histories. Is he diagnosing Jeremy Christian? We shouldn't have a zero-tolerance policy for people who have made mistakes, but participants should be upfront. Also, you know crazy when you see it, an and unstable people simply must be located and isolated. Mental illness is real. All this being said, let's get real. People associated with Black Lives Matter have committed crimes, large and small, yet none dare say these actions were caused by the Black Lives Matter ideology. <laughs> the Black Lives Matter ideology. There's, a, there's an ideology. So he's, he's saying BLM. He didn't actually write it out. But again, right. the ideology is that Black Lives Matter... Right. So what's the ideology behind racism? That black lives do not matter. That there are people who are less than. That's what that means. Yes. Well, I, I think his little his little statement in there, the wiggle statement about, well, you know, we need to be understanding of people who have made mistakes. In my mind, I think he's talking about Nathan D'Amigo, the the little the little half Nazi, the little half man Nazi who punched Louise Rosalma at the at the Antifa thing. So what I think he's saying there, because the previous tweet says that there needs to be vetting of mental illness and criminal histories. And this guy who did this in Portland has had several felony charges. Yeah, he's like six or eight mugshots that they showed in that news news package like I just played. Kidnapping, using weapons. He's he's a a bad guy. Yeah. Several yeah. felonies. And so what he's saying is, well, you know, we shouldn't have a zero tolerance policy if they have a criminal history at all. You know, if they've made a mistake, but they should at least be upfront about it when they come to the rallies. So what I'm wondering is, is, is Richard Spencer standing there with a clipboard and doing some sort of psychiatric right. evaluation <laughs> and then uh, getting a form for them to sign to authorize a background check and then telling them you're going to have to come back to the next one because we need to send this background yeah, right, check in. Right. We need to get this done. It's just a weak sauce attempt to, in the very in the moment, distance in himself from this. Um, but nothing's going to change. They're not going to vet. His organization isn't going to vet. They're not going to do mental stability checks. It's just for right now, it's a tweet that he hopes will take the heat off of him, his group, and the way he thinks. Yeah, and I also want to know what his definition of mental stability is because there's video footage of this guy that that committed this, this heinous act in Portland at a rally yelling about Jews. Kill, kill the Jews, kill fake Christians, yeah. kill the blacks. Yeah, yeah, kill Muslims. Yeah. So... What is Richard Spencer's definition of mental stability? Because there are people like this guy in the alt-right, in these organizations. They have the little frog in their name like Richard Spencer. There's hundreds of so them. So what is he talking about? Like I said, he's trying to, in the moment, he's trying to distance himself. Because he's a fraud. Because he's a liar. Because he does embody the same attitudes and vitriol and hate and intolerance 
that Jeremy Christian did and does. He just dresses well. That's right. He just has a little bit more of a dapper Nazi haircut <laughs> than the long-haired, disheveled-looking in the mugshots yeah. Jeremy Christian. Yeah. Look, it's you, you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a fucking pig. Yeah. And that's what we have. The only difference between between Jeremy Christian and Richard Spencer is a charge of murder and the fact that um, Dickface Spencer hasn't gone on a knife-wielding spree. Mm -hmm. Um, Another person was stabbed on the University of Maryland's College Park campus as well. His name was Richard W. Collins III, and they believe this was a hate crime as well. So this is three people who have been killed in the past week and one wounded laying in the hospital because of this radical hatred against minorities right? coming from the alt-right. And so I understand that, that conservatives want to talk about Muslims and radical Islamic terror. But this also seems important, no? Well, lives are being killed. They're being lost at the hands of Donald Trump-supporting rabid racists. So, yes, it is just as important as combating the threat of radical Islamists, for for sure. So, a little piece of follow-up, and it is political. I guess everything we do here is political, but a little piece of follow-up. Last time on the show, we talked about the budget, specifically SNAP. The supplemental assistance, the supplemental nutrition assistance program. That is right. Wow. Early in the morning, Brittany Page. Mm-hmm. And somebody put some numbers together. I believe it's NPR. They put some numbers together. Talk, because Trump's entire deal with, with cutting the food stamp program by $200 billion is to get people back to work is that's kind of ostensibly why he's done this. Yeah, Mick Mulvaney was quoted as saying, if you're on food stamps and you're able-bodied, we need you to go to work. If you're on disability insurance and you're not supposed to be, if you're truly not disabled, we need you to go back to work. That's what he said. And that's just a misrepresentation of what the facts are, what the numbers are, what the statistics bear out. Well, 44% of people who rely on SNAP actually have at least one person in the family working. Yeah. So this idea that everyone on Snap is just has their feet up at home, yeah, watching Master of None and eating lobster tails is not accurate. It's it's not based in reality. Right. 44% of people using that program have at least one person in the family working. And the numbers actually increase dramatically when you take into account families with children. Right. So a majority of 55 percent are bringing home wages, according to the USDA. Uh, The problem is that those wages aren't enough to live on and buy food. They're likely minimum wage jobs. Right. Which cannot be lived on as a sole source of income in any municipality across the country. Eight dollars and twenty five cents or whatever minimum wage is, is not a tenable salary. Right. There was also a report released on the number of families who have someone working that use food banks. And they found that 54% of the families who turn to pantries to get food have at least one member of the family working. And that rate was much higher, 71% for households with kids. Yeah. So, so again, it's not just people popping into the local food bank Getting food. Well, it just flies in the face and, 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 and defies the narrative that it's just a bunch of freeloaders, the givers and the takers. Yeah. And that we need to have sympathy and compassion for these taxpayers because they're really under a lot of stress financially. Uh, not only that, SNAP already has a policy in place where they require able-bodied adults without children to find a job within three months and to work at least 20 hours a week right. or they will lose their benefits. Well, it's and this, this administration is going to ignore that just like they ignore uh, the, the actual vetting process, the two-year vetting process that's in place for 
for refugees. But they don't want to talk about that. It's the same thing with the food stamps program. They want the narrative out there, floated out there, that it's a bunch of freeloaders who don't have jobs, who sit around watching cartoons all day, collecting, you know, thousands of dollars of government benefits so they could live high on the hog. Yeah, well, the interesting thing is, too, in West Virginia, Mississippi, and Louisiana, one out of five residents receives SNAP benefits. And what is something interesting about those states? They're Trump states. Overwhelmingly voted for Trump. Yeah. Well, he's here's what's happening. Donald Trump got elected by the masses, but he's not serving the masses. He's serving the wealthiest among us. And unless he pulls some kind of rabbit out of his hat, I mean, I'm I'm unconvinced he's going to want to run again because if you watch him in Europe at the at the, the, the <laughs> at the NATO meetings and all these different meetings he's at, he's he seems like he does not want to fucking be there when mm-hmm. he's they're all listening to the speech of the Italian Prime Minister and. He's, everybody's got their headphones on because they don't speak Italian. And Donald Trump is just kind of staring off into space, looking bored as fuck. Yeah, the with only no one. headphones on. Yeah, the only one in the line not wearing headphones. Yeah. It is truly unbelievable. And then it's hard for them when that footage comes out to then say, no, all these reports about how my, my first international trip didn't go well. That's fake news. That's fake news. Well, no, it's not. It's because, not just reporting. We have video, Yeah, you there's dick. several video clips of you acting like a turd. Yeah. You know? Just a turd out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. little arrested development for you, everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, that, that is where we are. Let's, let's move on. Um, really nothing new. Nothing new at all. Before we move on, though, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Suji's Korean Cuisine. Go find them at your local Super Target, H-E-B, Costco's in the Southeast, in the Super Targets, because that's what we're familiar with. They're in the deli section. The refrigerated section, not the frozen section, the refrigerated aisle. Yeah. Yeah. And Suji's Korean Cuisine spent nearly two years developing the tastiest and most authentically Korean flavors while also keeping their products clean, meaning no added MSG and no preservatives. Suji's Korean Cuisine, Korean-inspired, made in the USA. Don't forget those sauces on Amazon. Oh, and the sauces on Amazon. Yeah. Suji's. Which we're huge fans of. The spicy, really good. Real, real good. Well, they're both really good. Yes, I'm just saying the spicy. If you're a fan of spicy, which Brittany and I are, you're going to dig the spicy. Nice little kick. Maybe that should be the uh, the new slogan for Suji's. If you dig spicy, you're going to dig the spicy. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. Please, no. (laughs) All right. And other support for the program comes from you guys, our loyal, faithful, generous PayPal and Patreon supporters who give of their hard-earned dollars to support the show and help move the conversation forward one episode at a time. In fact, we do have new members. Zeramar. Zeramar. Yes. We appreciate your support very much. Thank you. If you too would like to join the Patreon PayPal family, you can go to dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the page. There's a link that says support the show. Click there and pick your poison. There's all kinds of different ways from Amazon to Patreon. Wow. I'm all I'm full of slogans today, Brittany Page. Taking care of biz. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, in our absence, not a whole bunch has gone on. However, the things that have happened are very notable, especially where it relates to the Russia investigation. There's new information out right now, new reporting that Jared Kushner tried to arrange with Sergey Kislyak a back-channel line of communications from the consulate facilities in Washington, D.C. or New York to 
straight through to Moscow using undetectable, untappable, untraceable communication systems. Tonight, ABC News has confirmed President Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, did try to establish a back channel with Russian officials during the transition, according to sources. But sources insist Kushner's effort was focused on the U.S. response to Syria and other policy matters. An initial meeting took place in December at Trump Tower, according to sources. Kushner sat down with retired Lieutenant General Mike Flynn and Russian Ambassador Sergei Kislyak. These new details may help to explain why Kushner has come under scrutiny by FBI investigators who are looking into Russian meddling in the election and possible collusion by Trump associates. Today, the president's national security advisor pushed back on any suggestion that Kushner's dialogue with the Russians was anything out of the ordinary. No. I, I mean, we have back-channel communications with, in a number of, with a number of countries. So, uh, so generally speaking, about back-channel communications, what that allows you to do is to communicate in a discreet manner. But that's not how the former CIA director sees it. This is off, off the map, Michael. I know of no other experience like this in, in our history, certainly within my life experience. Mike Flynn, who attended that initial meeting, was ultimately fired as national security advisor for his subsequent interactions with that same Russian ambassador and his lying to White House officials about it. I asked for his resignation. He respectfully gave it. That was after the FBI exposed Flynn lied to the vice president about what he and the Russian ambassador discussed. It's important to note that during his initial meetings with the Russians, Kushner was a private citizen with no official role in government and no security clearance. He was a trusted advisor to his father-in-law. Stand up, Jared. Say hello to the crowd. Come on, Jared. Jared is a very, very successful real estate man in New York. I'm proud of Jared. But about the time Kushner was meeting with Kislyak, Trump was still mulling over what role to give him in the administration. I'd love to have Jared helping us on deals with other nations and see if we can do peace in the Middle East and other things. He's very talented. He's a very talented guy. The president always quick to praise his son-in-law. David Wright joins us live now from the White House. And David, tonight some other Trump family members are in the news for meeting with GOP leaders to discuss strategy. That's right. Sources tell us that the president's eldest two sons, Don Jr. and Eric, held a two-hour strategy session here in Washington on Thursday at the Republican National Committee headquarters. Uh, those sons, of course, are running the family business, but they were here to discuss broad political strategy going forward. Tom? All the Trumps staying in politics there. All right, David, thanks so much. Ugh. Those two sons, man. <laughs> Goddamn. Well, let's get to this Kushner thing. So... There's many problematic uh, issues with this. One is Jared Kushner's a no one. He's a no nothing. He has no training. He has no education. He has no experience with diplomacy. None at all. He has no idea what he's doing. So when he's trying to, this, this entire narrative that he's trying to set up a secret during the transition. Listen, when, when McMaster's, the national security advisor uses these wiggle words and this language that, well, we use secret back channels all the time. You're right. The administration and official presidency, of course, they're going to use diplomatic back channels and other means to communicate on the DL with other gov governments. But a transition, in the only reason you would need a secret back channel is to hide from the prying ears of the United States government because the media doesn't have the legal or otherwise means to listen in on your conversations. Mm -hmm. So what he's trying to do is hide from the ear of our intelligence gathering apparatus. And why would he want to hide from the U.S. government? Only if there was something nefarious going on. <laughs> So for them to say, oh, well, back channels are used all the time, not during transitions and not in the way that Jared Kushner proposed that they do it by going to a Russian consulate and using whatever secure systems of, of communication that they have to speak directly back to Moscow. Right. That's a fucking problem. 
And for them to make excuses for it, now look, we're going to see what happens. He is scheduled. He has agreed to testify about this and other things. That doesn't really mean much to me because the the Trump administration says a lot of things and then, you know, look at his taxes. How many times does he say, oh, I'm going to do it? He keeps moving the goalpost. Oh, I'm going to do it then. Oh, I'm going to do it then. Oh, no, now I'm going to do it then. Yeah. Now he says, oh, maybe I'll do it when I get out of office. Fuck you. You're a bunch of liars. We can't trust you. So until he's actually sitting there testifying before the Senate Judiciary Committee or the Senate uh, Intelligence Committee, I'm not going to hold my breath. But John King and Jeff Zeleny, they had their own little uh, opinions, little thoughts on this matter. I don't know why I'm saying little thoughts. Mm -hmm. They had some thoughts on the matter. And they were big thoughts. Real. Powerful. Real big. Powerful thoughts. Turgid thoughts, Brittany. Oh. How do they explain this? How do they explain Jared Kushner meetings with the Russian ambassador that he did not disclose until they were in the media? Uh, Now this idea of a back channel that some people say, frankly, is un-American. Well, how they're trying to explain it is, uh, I mean, they're meeting at the White House this afternoon to try and figure this out. I mean, it's naive at best. It may be something more at worst. We don't um, know the answer. But even though he was a private citizen, this is not a business deal. So this is what you have the veterans of Washington, uh, you know, not establishment people, but people who have been in this town sort of going, why did they do that? But there's also not been a full accounting of all the meetings that Jared and others had with the Russian officials. This could have uh, sort of been uh, dealt with weeks and months ago, but it hasn't been. So now they are sort of stuck with this. But the whole uh, specter of Russia was hanging over the president, his silence about it. He's afraid to talk about this investigation. It had European leaders wondering, why is he being so silent about to Russia? Is he going to stand up to Vladimir uh, Putin here? So uh, I think that the, you know, Jared Kushner was always sort of the invincible one inside because he's loyal to the president. Now these meetings have really um, implicated him. If he did anything or not, we don't know, but it's a huge problem. But- Listen, the main problem that that really cannot be avoided here is the fact that all of these different individuals claimed to have no contact, to have had no contact with Russian officials. And then through leaks and other kind of media reporting, we find out that is not true. And then once it's public knowledge that they did, then they say, oh, yeah, I just forgot to say Mm-hmm. Oh, on my security clearance form? Oh, I just forgot to put that there. Right. Attorney General Jeff Sessions, he goes to have his confirmation hearings. And oh, ah, after the fact, sorry about that. Let me amend my testimony and my confirmation questionnaire. I just forgot to put it on there that I met multiple times with Russian Ambassador Kislyak. The thing about Jeff Sessions is he's not new. Yeah. You know, he's been involved in the government for a very long time. But only involved with Trump for a short time. Yeah, but this excuse seems strange. Oh, you mean... Because he should understand he the way that things... He knows how shit works. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, same with Michael Flynn. Yeah. I mean, you know how things work here. Especially with Flynn, because he knew the intelligence apparatus intimately. Yeah. He knows how it works. Right. So you know what's necessary. You know you have to write what you have to write. Yeah. Now, he's gone, but he was the first victim of having to fucking go because of his lies and now we still have jeff sessions we still have jared kushner and there's a couple others that are problematic i think in the ultimately and this is i'm just kind of going off here but i think carter page is going to end up being he might end up getting convicted or something but he's not going to play a large role because he was out super early so that's one of the reasons we don't talk about carter page but Paul Manafort and Roger Stone are both, they're in this hip deep. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna ha- they're, there's going to be problems with them as well. Yeah. So when Jared Kushner, if, if he does testify, it's going to be good because the Senate is going to be asking him questions to which they already know the answers. At least if they're doing their fucking jobs right, they will. And he is going to have only a few choices here. It's going to be... Answer truthfully, which will likely be incriminating, lie and get busted for lying, or plead the fifth and eh, that's not good. Yeah. Because that just lets us know there was criminal activity. No, he just doesn't want to talk about it. Right. (laughs) (laughs)
So we just got done talking briefly earlier about Donald Trump's trip to Europe, his very first trip abroad, like Saudi Arabia and then Europe. And John Dickerson was talking kind of his takeaways on Trump's first trip and He's a little generous, I think, but he does classify it or categorize it as a little bumpy in parts. What did President Trump accomplish on his overseas trip? He pretty much got the stagecraft of it right, some bumpy parts about his trip to NATO. But I'm not sure that as far as the White House thinks thinks of it and the president thinks of it, a little friction with NATO leaders is okay. But in Saudi Arabia, I think they launched what they saw as the most important part of this trip, which was to basically reorient the United States in uh, concert with Sunni leaders to put pressure on Iran and to end on extremists all across the, the region and the world. The president very, very well may pull out of the Paris Climate Agreement. How significant would that be? Well, if the, if the president pulls out of the Paris Climate Agreement, it, it is obviously a signal to European leaders that this is a different kind of president. He listens to allies, but only so far. Now, President Trump is back to tweeting his unedited opinions this morning, uh, telling people, among other things, quote, many of the leaks coming from the White House are fabricated lies coming from the fake news media. Are his supporters still buying that same excuse? His supporters that buy that line is a shrinking group. A lot of the things he's calling and has called fake news um, are now things that have either, A, been supported by officials and by members of both parties. The things he said were fake and made up are now the subject of a special counsel investigation. Hard to make the case that this is a, this is a fake uh, set of inquiries. The president's son-in-law and advisor, Jared Kushner, is now under not just a media spotlight, but his contacts with Russian officials are under FBI scrutiny. Jared Kushner has said he's willing to talk to federal investigators and also to congressional investigators. So going back and changing that would be um, a problem. But if he becomes someone that the investigators, the federal investigators, talk to about what the president may or may not have said about uh, influencing or trying to slow down the FBI investigation. Jared Kushner has to worry about what he says to those uh, investigators. Staffers who work for a president can get in jeopardy if they are defending the president the way you might in a public kind of PR campaign versus the scrutiny and the the rigor that uh, you have to maintain when you're talking to federal investigators. John Dickerson, host of Face the Nation. Always great to get your insight. Thanks, Thanks. Harold. So, relative to the, uh, to the trip in Europe, we, we've seen the video of him pushing his way to the front of the line like a fucking child with the NATO leaders. Some are saying that it was, it was friendly. I don't see it that way. There are a lot of faces that were smiling uncomfortably. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that. The Macron handshake... Um, the French president, his meeting with Donald Trump and the handshake that took place, that's something we haven't talked about. And that is something that now we're learning was a calculated move on the part of Emmanuel Macron. I think that's his name is Emmanuel. Um, that it was it was planned. It was that was what what he meant to have happened. Yeah, he said it was, quote, not innocent. Yeah. And intended to show that he did not make even small concessions. He is he was smashing the hand of Donald Trump in a white knuckled grip where Donald Trump it was both of the men had clearly had forced smiles on their faces. He called it his interaction with Donald Trump, quote, a moment of truth. My handshake with him was not innocent. We need to show that we won't make small concessions, even symbolic ones, while not overhyping things either. Good for him. Good for him. Yeah, I think Donald Trump tried to release twice. Because there's been different screenshots of his it now. fingers are just smashed. Yeah, and <laughs> he won't let go. Yeah, so, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, he knows what he's dealing with. Of course. A maniac. It's either you exert force, which this is stupid alpha male stuff, right? But either you exert the force first, or Donald Trump's going to be pulling you toward him like now, a tug of war. Ask why. On a playground. So, and then the other thing that I, that I wanted to talk about, I don't think I mentioned it last time, was the fact that when they get off the plane... All these Trump people are, oh, you see, they didn't wear scarves in Saudi Arabia. Well, they're doing their own thing. They're not bowing to the Saudi leaders. Donald Trump, baby. <laughs> we got some Hillary bitches on here. Come- that guy 
was very happy that Donald Trump didn't wear, or his his the the, the ladies, yeah, didn't wear a headscarf. Which is funny because he also said that they aren't there to lecture anybody about right. how to do things. That's right. We're not right. here to impose our Western values and morals on you. Yeah, you go ahead and keep mistreating and oppressing your lady folk. We, that's not for us to say anything about. He saved that lecture for Germany. Right, but then when he gets with the Pope. All the ladies are wearing their weird fucking full black dresses and their weird veils and shit. Apparently, well, it's okay to to bow and scrape to some Christian leader, but fuck those Muslims. And, you know, it needs to be fuck all of them. Well, it's okay to disregard the superstition in Islam, but got to keep that superstition in Christianity around. Donald Trump's not even a Catholic. Uh, apparently, Melania Trump is. She revealed it after the Vatican visit. Yeah, well, and the other thing is Sean Spicer apparently is a devout Catholic. Yeah. And he got boxed out of the meeting. I, I don't have, I don't fucking care. Fuck that guy. <laughs> you didn't get to see the leader of your particular faith. Whatever. Plus, you didn't earn it, Spicy. You're a liar. You're a liar. You're not even a good Christian. So. <laughs> or a good person for that matter. Goddamn. So, Angela Merkel. And that's the other thing. Coming off of yeah. the trip, Angela Merkel gave a campaign speech in which she didn't pull any punches. She said Europe, quote, must take its fate into its own hands, faced with a Western alliance divided by Brexit and Donald Trump's presidency. Quote, the times in which we could completely depend on others are on the way out. I've experienced that in the last few days. We Europeans truly have to take our fate into our own hands. We have to fight for our own destiny. That is telling. Mm -hmm. That speaks volumes that they, that you, the United States is no longer an ally on which they can rely. And she was talking about America and Britain. Right. Yeah. But that's, that's problematic. I think it's more so the United States. I mean, it is, the Brexit thing does affect them. Because it puts them on shaky, shaky ground. Because if one more major... European Union member leaves, for instance, if France was to have left, it would have been curtains for the, for the European Union. Mm -hmm. but, but as far as us, as far as a, a, an economic partner, an intelligence partner, a strategic military partner, if they're not looking toward us in those ways, that's a problem. We're losing a friend here because of Donald Trump and his ignorance. And his bullheadedness and his short-sightedness. Mm -hmm. It's a problem. Well, his uh, America first yeah. is just is isolationism. I mean... That is all it is. That's what's happening right now is <laughs> not only is Germany at a disadvantage because of the relationship with us, we're also at a disadvantage without this, this alliance with everybody. And Donald Trump is, again, a turd. Just a, just a turd out there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's very unfortunate. Well, let me talk and about embarrassing. It. Let me talk about another way that he's a turd. Brittany Page, you stepped on my transition. Thank you. Sorry. Is <laughs> we've talked about the emoluments clause of the Constitution and how Donald Trump cannot be receiving gifts or payments from foreign governments as an employee or representative of the United States, even as president, he cannot do it. He agreed to track the foreign cash that he was receiving in his hotels and his properties. But apparently that's not the case. He's not following through with his, his original agreement. Some new questions for the president to answer today. MSNBC has a new report related to President Trump's business dealings with foreign governments. You may recall, just days before taking office, the president did promise to donate all profits he earned from foreign governments back to the United States Treasury. That way he would avoid potential conflicts. But MSNBC has learned that the Trump Organization is not in fact tracking all possible payments. MSNBC chief legal correspondent Ari Melber has original reporting and joins me with more. Ari, you've been tracking this, you've been trying to dig in. Uh, they're not uh, keeping track of, of who's paying what at the, at the hotels? They said they were gonna track the money and donate it back to the Treasury. That's important because foreign governments can spend money in all sorts of ways to influence the president. It's also important because the Constitution says you can't take foreign gifts if you're president. Why? 
Why? Because it could obviously influence you, and that could be a big problem. Yep. So that's what's called the emoluments clause. There's an open federal case on this, by the way, in federal court in New York. So what we did over the past several weeks, myself, Meredith Mandel, and Diana Marinaccio, in my legal unit here at MSNBC, was dig into this. How would this work and what's going on? We found a lot. The big headline here we could put up on the screen is we have obtained the internal Trump policy for how they're doing this. Put up on the screen here, this is a pamphlet. It's about eight pages, and you see it there, foreign government patronage. And they say, reading from the Trump Organization, it's not the intention or design of their policy for our properties to attempt to identify individual travelers who have not specifically identified themselves as being a representative of a foreign government so they're entity. they're putting the onus on the foreigners to identify themselves, not on themselves. Exactly. Okay. That is in spirit and I think in letter a real departure or violation of the of the pledge Donald Trump made in January after he was elected saying we're going to track all this and give the money back. They're now saying basically we're just going to trust the foreign government officials who potentially could be trying to influence or bribe the U.S. government to self-report themselves. I want to give you one more okay, reaction. It's a, it's a long report we did, and I'm giving you the highlights. Noah Bookbinder, executive director of Crew, which is suing them, and I know you're going to speak to another one of the lawyers about this in a moment, gave us this response, quote, you don't get to violate the Constitution and say that you're only going to address some instances and not others because it's inconvenient. Playing devil's advocate here. Can the Trump administration or Trump organization argue, hey, listen, if we don't know they're a foreign national, they can't influence us? They could argue that if you think the tracking system is the end of the story. The question, and this will ultimately be resolved by the courts, because we don't have a ruling on this because no president's ever tried to run this larger business, is whether the money itself, known or unknown, constitutes an illegal gift. If it does, they're going to be ordered to track and give over all of this. The last point I'll make is the Trump Organization has taken the legal position that they were doing this voluntarily, but they don't think it's a gift, that no court has ever said it is a gift in this capacity, which is true. They say that hotel rooms are not don't really amount to that. And, and so that's their view, and, and we report in this story that they continue to maintain that. What's new here and what's different and what is important potentially legally is that they went from saying we're going to track it and fork it over to we're kind of going to track it, but not really even ask about it. This applies not just to the D.C. hotel, but all of Trump's properties, his very many properties. His very many properties. We also spoke to Congressman Cummings, who helped obtain some of this information. Mm. His response was, well, if they're not going to track it, think about what else is going on. Yeah. A group like RT that represents Putin could secretly funnel money and the public would never know about it. I don't think this is the end of this story. I think it's the beginning. And for me, again, we're coming back to something that I talked about earlier. The problem is that you cannot trust Donald Trump. He said, we're going to be tracking this. We're going to be donating this money to the Treasury. And now, without any notice that he changed his mind, they've apparently changed their mind, and they're not doing what they originally said. It's the same thing as what it was, as what it was with the tax returns. Right. It's the same thing as when he said he was divesting himself from his companies, and now we know... He's actually drawn money, profits from the company that he was supposed to have divest himself from. Which is fascinating because Trump supporters who hate the Clintons for all this same bullshit. All this exact same bullshit. Have no issue with any of this. For instance, after the Saudi meeting, we didn't even talk about this, that the Saudis said they were going to make a $110 billion arms deal. Military sales deal with with us. That's in that say within hours of that, Ivanka Trump they pledged a hundred million dollars to the Ivanka Trump Foundation. That's exactly the same thing that there were blood curdling screams about from Republicans relative to Hillary Clinton. Yeah. I think that conservatives try to get around that by saying that she has no access to the funds. Like, it's not going into her pocket, right? That's the kind of the... Yeah, but the Clinton Foundation, it's not going in their pockets either. Yeah, that's the rebuttal I've seen, though. Listen... Well, she doesn't manage those funds. Here's the deal. There are, there are valid criticisms of that on both sides. That if, if, if Hillary Clinton is the Secretary of State... And she's having meetings with people who donate large sums of money to the Clinton Foundation. That is a valid criticism. Just as it is for Ivanka Trump. 
That's a valid, valid criticism. That if you're enriching the daughter, who Donald Trump loves a lot, we know, maybe in a problematic way, <laughs> you know, because if he wasn't, if she wasn't his daughter, he'd likely be fucking her. They're just going to get a milkshake. <laughs> but no, but crickets from the Republicans, crickets from the Trump people. That's a problem. Not just the crickets, but the $100 million is also a problem. Oh, Brittany Page. <laughs> you see where we are? Happy Memorial Day, everybody. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap this up. It's the asshole of today. Sheriff David Clark. The goatee. Now, this is a funny story. That is a serious goatee he's got going. Yeah, this is a funny story because you nominated him for this, and I actually had the audacity to say, why? <laughs> <laughs> As though... I did. I said. I think what I said was, can Sheriff Clark be asshole of today? And I said, for what? For <laughs> <laughs> Um, Apparently, there's a very serious vetting progress pro- process yeah. for who becomes asshole of today. Yeah, when but after I said that, I'm like, come on, it's just Sheriff David Clark, like for being him, right? <laughs> for the goatee, come on. For just him, the, the cowboy hat, the yeah. fucking medals, the fake bullshit, just everything he tweets. But that is not why. No, it is because he is up for a position with, with within the Homeland Security Department. Uh. What? I think he said he was up for it, but what you have nominated him for asshole of today is interfering with his ability to get that position. Is that is that fact? That's what he said. Wow. Well, here we go. De- Sheriff, Sheriff David Clark, a fucking cheating ass plagiarizer. Controversial Milwaukee Sheriff David Clark is accused of plagiarizing large parts of his 2013 master's thesis on Homeland Security. Yeah, CNN's K-File, which is, as we point out, an investigative team exposed Sheriff Clark for lifting passages verbatim, but not quoting the material. In fact, Clark failed to properly attribute his sources at least 47 times and even lifted language from President George W. Bush's book, Decision Points. (laughs) Clark immediately attacked the report on Twitter, saying it was the reporter's M.O. to accuse plagiarism. I'm next. Clark is best known for being one of the most outspoken supporters of President Trump during his campaign. Remember, he even spoke at the Republican National Convention last summer and had a heated exchange with our Don Lemon over police shootings and Black Lives Matter. Don, I, I wish I you had like that have, message I would of like civility to have a conversation toward this you. hateful ideology, these purveyors of don't hate. Know what my message is. That's what, what I they want to do. say to you is these wait, people let me preach get a, are you going to get a word in? This is the latest headline, though, regarding the sheriff. Last week, Sheriff Clark announced that he's taking a job as the assistant DHS secretary. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security, though, later said no announcement had been made regarding Clark's appointment. So apparently they did back right out of that. We'll see what happens with this, though. But it, the same thing happened with Monica Crowley. Although I think she went to an actual university. He went to, like, some correspondence course type of college. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's plagiarizing George W. Bush's book. Not just internal uh, national security documents. I mean, this is blatant. What they say, 47 places? It's serious business when you write a master's thesis. Well, when you write anything, (laughs) when you're submitting anything for a grade, I mean, this is basic, right? And he's old enough to know this happened in 2013. It's not as though you're unaware. Also, for every uh, course you take, they have a little section in the syllabus about the plagiarism rules, right? Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to go look it up or whatever. But it's also common sense. And so they have examples here, and it's just several words in a row that are the exact same. Where the chances would be astronomical that he would have written the exact same sentence. Right. Like, I understand if you're writing Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan. Okay, you have to write that. That's, That's four words in a row. But the other parts, like where you're talking about him... Maybe change that up, right? <laughs> or maybe don't copy. Or cite it. Yeah. Just put in a little citation. It's it's fine. 
Right. If you're citing, put it in quotes. The exact language that someone used. That's not. This is not my original content. I'm going to talk about something someone else wrote. And I wonder what motivates this. Is it laziness or is it really trying to pass this off as your own? Or is he a dumb guy who just, he wants to get his master's thesis and this is the only way he can do it because he's not very fucking smart and can't come up with original thoughts. Listen, (laughs) I get so upset when people post things on their Facebook without quotes. Oh yeah. That's a pet peeve of mine too. (laughs) I have called people out and said, this is not your joke. You need to cite this. I'm serious. If they if they post a Louis C.K. joke without quotes and giving him credit or something, yeah. I have literally commented on those posts and said, this is not your joke. You need to quote this. Yeah. And then I've gotten attacked by people's friends saying, oh, whatever, bitch. Like, <laughs> like everything's original. Okay. Yeah. Some people do have original thoughts just because you don't. Some people do. Well, it's weird don't to steal me. Their content. We're, we're now we're devolving into the Facebook thing, but. It's 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 amazing to me that they think they're not going to get called out for it. Just put it in quotes and put the guy's name at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> You're not clever or creative. Everyone knows who you are. <laughs> You're not coming up with, wow, that is amazing. The reason Louis C.K. is amazing and famous as fuck and rich is because he comes up with that particular thought. Yeah. Don't see If it. you were coming up with that kind of shit... You'd be rich and famous like Louis C.K. Instead, you're ripping him off and putting it on Facebook. I even see people steal other people's tweets, like their little commentary that they have. Oh, yeah. I had, this is me. This has happened to me. There was some gay pride LA or some account mm-hmm. that was, they, were, they would re- favorite my tweet and then immediately retweet would not retweet they would use my exact language yeah and tweet it to their they had more followers than me right but with no quote no jesse dollimore said this they would just take whatever i said and make it their own yeah it's fucking lame mm-hmm. i mean it's no master's thesis it's just a, a, a dumb thought i had yeah but there should just be none of this anywhere right if it's someone else's give them credit yeah knock it off i changed my mind Brittany page We're going to have one more segment, and it's going to be a good one. Taking care of biz. French President Macron. Macron. He. What's he done now? He already took care of a little biz. Is he still, he's taking care of more biz? Yeah, so he had a joint news conference with Putin in Paris. Sounds like a good time. Mm. Was was Putin on a horse shirtless? No. And (laughs) he was asked by a reporter about his refusal to allow access at his campaign headquarters to some Russian outlets. Hmm. And he said, quote, Russia Today and Sputnik have been influential outlets, which at several times have spoken mistruths about me and my campaign. And that's why they were not invited to my headquarters. All media outlets, including Russian ones, have had access to my campaign. Relationships are always the same. So it was serious that foreign media outlets interfered by saying serious mistruths during a democratic campaign, and I will not give in to that in any way. But Russia Today and Sputnik have not behaved as media outlets and journalists, but behaved as organs of influence, propaganda, and false propaganda. Wow, he said this... He called them propaganda outlets standing next to Putin. Standing right next to Putin. Wow. Yeah. He, he's got some balls on him. He does not mess around. That is taking care of biz. <laughs> I'm glad we extended the show for this because that's big time. Yeah. That's, listen, it is a shame that, that the United States is no longer a, a, the leader of the free world. Mm-hmm. France and Germany now. Or have taken had to have been forced to take the reins and are standing up to Putin because we have a weakling coward of a fucking puppet who no, will not do it. <laughs> it's true though. This is he should take he should take a page from their playbook and start doing this, right? Uh, it's disgusting. This is how he should behave. He shouldn't be shoving people out of the way to be in front. He shouldn't be uh, not having headphones on, acting like he's listening because he doesn't 
care. Yeah. Right? He should behave as though he's leading a country. So good job, France. Good job, Germany. You guys are taking care of biz. I mean, Macron is taking care of biz, but eh, in a looser sense, so are those nations in the European Union. Some of them. Some of them. All right. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We're going to leave you there. We There are a couple voicemails we didn't get to this time that we will get to next time. And in the meantime, if you'd like to communicate with the show, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We love you guys. We appreciate you. And we'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Who are you, white monkey? (laughs) Is that racist?